we talked about last week? Anybody want to just give me a, a quick phrase of what you remember from last week? Anybody? Even those of you who are watching it at home on the internet? Ah, thank you. <laughs> Relationships. What else? Discipleship. What else? Forgiveness. Okay, what else? Yes. How to be fruitful. Amen. What else? What was that? Ah, to do a sound check. Check out where we are so we can move forward. Yes, Taylor. Ooh, that's pretty good. I said that? Let me write that down. <laughs> Anybody else? Now, see, actually, I forgot what I preached on, so I'm help, asking you to help me to remember. <laughs> Bettina? Okay. Walk in forgiveness, even though relationships can be dangerous as far as getting hurt, you know, making yourself vulnerable. But we can't shut ourselves off. We can't, uh, we need to continue to move forward in relationships. Amen? Anything else? Yes? All right, allow God to change you as you follow Him and be committed to the change process. All right. Okay, I can remember now. We can move forward. In Matthew chapter 28, we know that uh, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, Jesus, we saw how he walked as we read the New Testament, the Gospels. We saw how he walked and dealt with people and, and the disciples. And at the very end, when he's about to go and be with the Father, after he's been resurrected, he gives this last instruction to his men and those that are there listening to him. He says, now go make disciples. In other words, he's saying, what I did, what you saw me do, what I modeled before you, now I want you to go do the same thing. And at the beginning of his ministry, Matthew 4, 18, it says, Now Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, and, James the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. And they were mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So we see at the beginning, Jesus is calling men, calling these people to himself and saying, come follow me. Have you answered the call when Jesus looks at you and says, come and follow me? Have you answered it? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? You know, I find it very interesting here when, when Jesus saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee, in the boat with Zebedee, Jesus didn't call Zebedee. He didn't call the father. He called the two boys or the men, the sons. 
And he said, come and follow me. And it says that they came immediately and followed him, and they left their father and the nets in the boat. They left their father. I wonder, what was he thinking? What was his dad, what was their dad thinking? They see Jesus come along, and next thing you know, his sons are gone. You know, sometimes when Jesus calls us to himself or he calls us to do things, it doesn't necessarily make sense. But are we still willing to follow him? Are you still willing to follow him? Mark chapter 3, verse 13, it says, And Jesus went on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. And then it says, and he appointed the 12 and then he began to name them. He appointed 12 so that they would be with him. Jesus called these disciples together to be with him. I find that interesting. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John. Now, the backdrop is Peter and John had just ministered to this lame man. Remember, he was at the gate, beautiful, and he was begging for alms. And then Peter said, silver and gold have I not, but what I do have, the goods that I got, I'm about to lay them upon you right now. Okay, that's a different translation. And he says, in the name of Jesus, rise up, and the guy was healed. And of course, it caused a big commotion. A lot of people came and to see what was going on. Well, then James and John get in trouble, and they're standing before the religious leaders, and they're being you know, challenge not to preach and all that kind of stuff. But it says, now they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. They were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. These men, Peter, or um, yeah, Peter and John, stood before these men, they were uneducated, untrained in the religious system. See, they were untrained in the religious system, but they were trained under the best system. Remember, Jesus called them to come and be with him. And it wasn't just a hangout party, but there was a lot of hanging out. And they learned from him, and they watched him. And then, you know, we see, you know, the three years or three and a half years, and then Jesus is gone. And then these men are left by Jesus. Now, you go do the stuff. You go and make disciples. And so Peter and John are going to the place to pray, and then they encounter this man, then he gets healed. And these religious men see Peter and John, and they're, they marvel at, they're amazed, and they recognize them as being with Jesus. I believe they saw two men that reminded them of Jesus because they were acting like Jesus. And they were doing the things that Jesus was doing. That's what I call effective discipleship. He called these men to come and be with him. Jesus, what are we going to do? We're just going to hang out. Just hang out. Watch me. And then remember, when he gives the commission, he says, the things that you've learned me, the commands that I've given you. In other words, everything that I taught you, now go and teach. The lifestyle that I displayed, that I demonstrated, that's what I want you to go do. And we see the disciples, after they got over the fear, because remember when Jesus was taken up, 
They were afraid. They were hiding. And then he said, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so when we see them in Acts chapter 4, it is post-Holy Spirit invasion. They got blasted by the Holy Ghost. Their lives are transformed. It's like what I believe happened was the Holy Spirit brought out everything that Jesus had planted in them. All the teaching, the training, the lifestyle, modeling, it was all tucked away in there. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, bam, it just came out. And they began to do the very things. Fear was no longer their master. They weren't hiding anymore. Matter of fact, the very men that Peter was running from and hiding from before were the same men that he was standing in their face saying that you're the one that crucified Jesus. You need to repent. There was a dramatic life change, dramatic life change. You know, Peter was the one that would open mouth, insert foot quite often. He's the one a lot of us can relate to. You know, James and John had anger issues. They wanted to call down fire on people. They wanted to make people crispy critters if they didn't agree with them. I mean, these guys, and then, of course, we know uh, Judas, you know, the betrayer. So Jesus had a motley crew. He had a, a band of guys that were not perfect. He, they weren't trained. They weren't religious. They weren't well-behaved, so to speak. So the good news is if they qualify, then we qualify. And that's good news. That is good news. We don't have to come to He didn't, when they says, come follow me, they didn't say, hold on, Jesus, let me go get all fixed up and dolled up first and prettied up and everything. You know, those fishermen, they stunk. They smell like fish. I just thought of that. He said, come on, let's go. And that's the same thing he's saying to us. And when we come to him, we stink. But he says, come on. Now, I have a question for you. I was going to ask this question. First, it was going to be, do you, and I'll ask it, are you satisfied with your spiritual maturity, where you are in Christ? Are you satisfied? Are you content? Don't answer that out loud. But I felt like the Holy Spirit checked me and said, that's not the question to ask. Because some of us will say, yeah. I'm pretty good. I'm happy where I'm at. I don't want my boat rocked. I don't want things to be shaken up. I like where I'm at. The question is, is God content or satisfied with where you are in your spiritual maturity? Or do you believe that he wants you to grow more? So if I'm a follower of Jesus and I say, Lord, my life is yours, I have to look at, is he content with where I am right now? In other words, what I mean by content not that he's, not, he's in a hurry to get us to change, but does, is, does he say, all right, CJ, you're done. Good job. You're done. You can stay that way the rest of your life on earth. I'm finished. Do you think that's the case with us? So I think if we were all honest as far as truth's concerned, not honest with our emotions, but honest as far as truth's concerned, we would agree that we all still need to change. Amen? 
In Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, it says, My little children, this is Paul talking to the church, the Galatians, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Paul's passion, and I believe the Holy Spirit was speaking through him, that he wanted his children to have Christ formed in them. Christ formed in us. So when Christ is fully matured, forming through us, then God's done. So are you there yet? Anybody? Not yet. Not quite. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. This is a passage where uh, most, if not all of us, are familiar with. And it says, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipment of the saints for the work of the service. How many of you have heard that verse before? Talking about the fivefold ministry. To the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now there's a whole bunch of stuff in here. But I'm beginning to see, I'm seeing this passage different than I ever have before. Right here, obviously, this passage is where we, we believe in the fivefold ministry. And we say, yes, the fivefold ministry it talks about it right there. Gave some as, as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipment of the saints for the work of the service. And we would agree with that. But I think as the church in general in America, again, I'm talking about America now, I'm talking about here is we believe we've embraced that the, that the training of the saints is mainly strictly through teaching. And what I mean by that, not just teaching the gift of teaching, but in other words, as long as I sit under and listen to dynamic, powerful, anointed teaching and preaching of the fivefold ministry, then I'm going to grow up and mature in Christ. If that were the case then America's church would be mighty, mighty powerful. Because we have more teaching than we can even listen to. We have so much information, so much teaching ministry. We have awesome teaching ministry in this country. Would you agree or not? I mean, we're overloaded. And if that was the case, if that's how, you know, listening to that, listening to that teaching and that exhortation, if that's all it was, then we would be the most dynamic. We would be the, the spotless bride already. But I don't think we are yet. The church is not as strong as the Lord intends for it to be. And I believe because, and see that, can I say something to you? That's easy. To sit and listen to teaching and preaching from anointed ministry, that's easy. A lost person can do that. And I'm not saying that that it's not needed. That is part of God's process 
to strengthen and train us up. But if you look through this verse, there's a lot of other, there's something else, and you know where I'm going with this, but there's something else that I believe it talks about in here. In the middle it says, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. Right there. That's going to happen in the context of what? Thank you. Relationship. Relationship. Because in relationship, I have to open myself up for someone to speak the truth in love. And I believe in that context, when it's talking about speaking the truth in love, that may be saying some things that you don't want to hear. Things that you don't want to hear, but that you need to hear. That's going to help you to quit going this way and begin to go the right way. Amen? But I'm only going to receive that truth in love, especially if it's contrary to what I want to do. I'm only going to receive that to the extent that I've opened myself up to relationship, to embrace that. Because if I'm just in a position where I'm I'm coming to church, or even people who stay home, we talked about this last week, those who stay home and watch their church on TV and get all that teaching on TV, so they can sit there in that context, or you can just sit there in that context and then decide what you want to receive or not. Ooh, I like that. That's good. Bring it, brother. No, I don't agree with that. And so that's why it has to be more than just hearing and receiving teaching and exhortation. Otherwise, we could all stay home and just watch TV and be powerful. But too many people are staying home watching TV thinking they're all that, and they're weak and anemic and unfruitful. And he wants us to be fruitful. And I know your heart is to be fruitful. To be a fruitful disciple of Jesus Christ. And to bear much fruit, more fruit. So people look at you and see your works and they glorify God. Isn't that what we want? That's what I want. And I'm grateful that that's what you want. Let's see, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Every joint. Right there is talking about individuals. Every joint. Every joint. You know, a joint connects two things, right? So two people coming together, joined together. And how's that going to happen outside of relationships? I mean, fitly joined together. How is that going to happen outside of relationship? It's not going to happen. Now, we can stand together in church and and sing wonderful worship songs and think we're walking in unity, but that's not what it's talking about. There's got to be a joining together. And it's in that joining together, every joint supplies, being fitted and held together by whatever joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part according to the proper working of each individual part. So every individual part is only going to work properly if it's joined together. Do you realize if your arm, like let's say your elbow is disconnected from the joint, this part of your arm is not going to function properly. It's going to be lame. It's not going to function at all. So if we, if I am not joined properly, then I cannot function properly. 
So do you understand the importance of relationship? I'm not just making this up. I mean, this stuff's coming all over me. It's like every time I read the Bible now, that's all I see is relationship. And I, I understand that when you're focused on something or when God's doing something in your heart, everything you see is what, you know, he's just confirming it all over the place. So I understand that. But there's so many things in here that are just obvious that it's all about relationship. You know, and I keep thinking, you know, Pastor Dale, when you, and I don't mean to, to belabor this point or whatever, but when you said years ago that relationship is everything, I'm still understanding the revelation. I'm still getting it. It's like, my goodness, this is crazy. Relationship is everything. It is everything. And once we understand that, and not just agree with it, but we understand and begin to walk in that, you're going to be amazed at how fast you start to grow. When I look over my life in past and everything, I can see that the greatest times of growth in my life is when I've been committed and submitted to relationship and what I've learned and gained and gleaned from those relationships, the correction, the teaching, the encouragement, all of it. Not just people saying what I want to hear, but people saying what I don't want to hear. And realizing that that's what the Lord is wanting to say to me right now. And I embrace that. And I change directions. And I move forward. And there's fruitfulness out of my life. And I want more of that. So you can kind of look at relationship from a greedy aspect. And say, if you're a greedy Christian like I am. And what I mean by greedy, I mean I want everything that God has laid out for me to have. Nothing shy of that. If he's laid out this much then I want it all, every bit of it. And I'm beginning to realize that for me to obtain that, there's a whole bunch of relationship involved with that. Now, what I mean, not a whole bunch of relationships, don't misunderstand me, but relationship is the key to obtaining all that he has for me. And I want it. And I'm here to confess that I'm greedy. And so if that means, if I have to have a relationship with you in order to get what God has for me, then guess what? I'm coming after you. Now that sounds kind of crazy, but think about it. Think about it. In other words, I'm placing myself in a position that I'm willing to be vulnerable relationship-wise because I know on the other side of that is reward. Vulnerability is scary because it leaves you vulnerable. Transparency is scary. Accountability can be scary. But if you want what he has, then it's like I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to do whatever I need to do. And right now I realize he's saying relationship And so that's what I'm going to do. And there are three questions that I want to ask you today. Disregard the ones I already asked. Those don't count. I still have three. Number one, are you committed to allowing him to form Christ in you his way? Are you committed to allowing him to form Christ in you his way? way 
His way of transforming us is primarily through, what's the word that comes next? Come on, say it louder. That's right. His way of transforming us is primarily through relationship. If you neglect relationship, if you, if you shield yourself from relationship, then you are, you're going to be withholding what you need to grow strong in Christ. And relationships only work to the extent that you open yourself up to being transparent, vulnerable, and accountable. They only work to the extent that you're willing to be vulnerable, transparent, and accountable. Because some people can think, well, I have lots of relationships. I have lots of friends. And that's good, but that's not necessarily what I'm referring to. In a nutshell, when I'm referring to relationships, I'm talking about three types. A Paul relationship, that's someone that you, that is more mature than you, that's, that's gone, who's further down the path than you are. And you're willing to receive correction as well as instruction and direction from that person. You invited them to say things to you that you don't want to hear, but that you need to hear. Be someone that, that would, maybe you consider as a mentor, a disciple, lur, discipler, someone who's discipling you. That's the first kind of relationship. The second one is a Barnabas type relationship. That's a, a friend, a, a, an equal, so to speak. Mutual accountability, mutual relationship. You're encouraging each other back and forth. You're about the same as far as your, your maturity in the Lord. And I believe that's important. And the last one is a Timothy. Timothy relationship. Someone that you are pouring into. See, because if you neglect that one, if it's all about just you and Paul, you're Paul, or you and your friends, but you're not pouring out, then you're going to miss out going to miss out because remember jesus said to go and make disciples and that's the part right there where you're fulfilling his call when you are pouring into when you are discipling someone when you're encouraging strengthening challenging speaking into their life what they don't want to hear because you love and care for them those are the three types of relationships in general that i'm referring to You know, not any single relationship you have is designed to mature you in all the areas that God wants you to grow in. Some of you who are married can think, well, I have my my wife, and we keep each other accountable, and we encourage one another. And that's good, and it should be that way, but that's not enough. Your spouse is not the only relationship that you need that's going to help you grow fully in Christ. You need other relationships. You see, some of us have gotten comfortable with that. Okay, I'm comfortable with my spouse. That's all I need. And so we don't have any need, any desire to move out and to form any other relationships. And so we're missing out on a greater part of what God has for us.
You know, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 and 2, it says, He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Verse 2 says, A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. Maybe I have the personality type that I, it's, I'd rather be alone. I'd rather be by myself. And if I allow, now, I can have that personality type. In other words, that's how, that's how I'm bent. I'd rather be alone. But if I get into that, I'm out of the will of God. If I stay in that situation where it's just me, myself, and I, actually, that'd be three. Anyway, if I just stay by myself, I am missing the will of God for my life. And I have to be extra careful and extra intentional in not staying by myself. Because, see, I can be comfortable in that and think I'm good. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. When I'm by myself and I'm used to being by myself and I can have the the attitude that it's just me and God, I get everything from him. That is not God's design. Now, there may be special circumstances. If you're on a deserted island, you, get, you fall off the ship, your cruise liner, and you end up on an island by yourself. Okay, you can be alone for a while, okay? I'll give you that. Or if, if you know, there's circumstances or situations where the per- people get persecuted and they get put in prison or jail, locked up and all by themselves. Okay, they're in that situation. God gives grace for that. But generally speaking, there's times to be alone. There's times I like to be all by myself. And that's okay. But if I live my life that way and I, to the exclusion of relationship, that is not the will of God. I want to encourage you, that is not the will of God. And there are some of you who have given into that, you're comfortable with that, and you're going in that direction. And you're missing out. Or some of us are too busy for relationships. I don't have time for that right now. Now again, there are seasons in life when your life situation doesn't allow you to pursue relationships at this point in time. Again, God gives grace for that. But if that's your life forever, that's not a season. And you're missing out. We cannot use busyness. Actually, if you are too busy, if you're like, I'm just too busy to pursue relationships, then you're busy about the wrong thing. You are not busy about God's kingdom. We have to be intentional about our relationships with one another. You know, I was, I was frustrated because, I, okay, new word alert. I'm about to warn you. I'm about to have a new word that I'm about to make up. I am a practicalist. I don't think, that, I don't think you can Google that word. Huh? <laughs> but what I mean by that is I'm the kind of person, okay, if you tell me something, if, you, if I get revelation, my heart is, okay, how do I do it? 
Just, just tell me how to do it, okay? I've heard you. Tell me how to do it. And so as I've been working on this and, and listening to the Lord on this, I'm like, okay, Lord, relationships, everything. I understand that. How do I encourage people how to build relationships? I said, that's not it. That's not it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Lord, you know I'm a practicalist. And he, he showed me that if I begin to try to tell you, okay, here's the ABCs of how to develop relationships, that'll only work for 0.001% of you in here. Because we're all different people. And what works for me, how God shows me how to build relationships, isn't going to work for everybody. And if you take that model and say, oh, okay, I'll do is A, B, and C, and you try to implement that model, it's not going to work. It's going to be all jacked up. And you're going to say, this thing is not working at all. And you're going to get frustrated, discouraged, and quit. So what I believe the Holy Spirit was saying is, that is his job to show you how to develop relationships. Because he knows the issues that we have. He knows the hang-ups. He knows the landmines, the things that are holding us back. And so as we, when we say, okay, God, I surrender to you and I want you to teach me how to walk in relationship like you're talking about, kingdom relationship, then he may say, okay, good. Here's what we need to do first. I want you to talk to Stephen. I want you to set up a Father's Heart ministry session. Because you have some hang up some, some blockers that will keep you from even taking the first step. And if I'm submitted to him and listen to him, I say, okay. I get what Stephen said. All right, give me the book. I call it the book, the thing you have to fill out. And I'm willing to go through that process because I want to be obedient to him and to move forward in relationships. So if you will... Walk in obedience to him. He will show you how to develop relationships, and it will work. It will work. But the ingredients that need to be in those relationships, one is intentionality. You have to be intentional. How many of you realize relationships just don't happen? Just don't ha in other words, now casual relationships can just happen. I mean, you can meet someone on a bus or on an airplane or an airport. Casually, it just happens. Oh, hey, how's it going? And you find out you have all this stuff in common. You have a great time. And then it's, oh, got to go. Get on your separate planes and you go your merry little way. That can happen all the time. But obviously, that's not relationship. That's just interaction between another human being. And that's good. But to get to a level, another level of relationship where you need what they have and you're, you're exchanging awesome things you have to be intentional and if you say well i'll wait till i have time or i'll wait till it's not going to happen you have to look at your life you have to look at your schedule and say okay where am i going to fit it in and you have to begin to schedule in relationship time it's just like men i'll tell you something real important if you're going to date your wife yes your wife continue to take her out and treat her like she deserves loving and cherishing and nourishing her you can't wait to go on a date when you have time because the time will not come. Because if you're thinking, oh, you know what? Maybe I ought to take her out tomorrow night. Then someone calls you and says, hey, I need help. Could you help me put in my dishwasher? Help me whatever. And the only time I have is tomorrow night. Oh, yeah, I don't have anything going on tomorrow night. 
But if you schedule and say, okay, taking Lisa out Thursday night, seven, seven o'clock, we're going out. Someone calls, hey, CJ, can you come over and help me with this? Or, hey, CJ, I got tickets to the OSU game. Thursday, seven o'clock, be there or be square. It's like, let me see if I got anything going on. Oh, hey, Lisa, aren't you not feeling well? Don't you feel that you need to stay home and rest a little bit? See, if I'm not intentional, then guess what? I'm never going to have time for her. I'm never going to make or have time to develop our relationship. And it's the same thing with other relationships. You have to be intentional. And you know what I do is, is you don't have to, if someone says, hey, I have a ministry opportunity. I need you to come help me. We're going to go pray for this person. We're going to cast demons out of this man or whatever. You know, something important, something spiritual. And say, hey, what time are you going? Well, I'm going Thursday night at 7 o'clock. You know, you don't have to say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm taking my wife to the movies. You don't have to say that. Because that can come across as, what? I'm talking about kingdom stuff here, and you're talking about the movies? Well, in reality, if I'm taking my wife on a date, that's kingdom stuff. (laughs) Man, you guys got really excited on that. All right, Caleb, Thursday, 7 o'clock, right? All right. (laughs) But I just look at my calendar and say, hey, bro, I can't. I have an appointment that evening. Have an appointment. And I do. When I set up dates with my wife, it's an appointment. Now, I don't tell her, honey, let's go out on an appointment. But I tell other people I have an appointment. Or if I'm carving out time for my kids, I'm sorry, I can't that time. I have an appointment. Because they don't need to know my business. They may not understand. But the point I'm trying to make is is we have to be intentional in our relationships or they won't happen. Another thing is transparency. You know, we, those of us who have been involved in the NFL for the last year and a half now, the one thing that I believe took that ministry to another level was when the men involved, uh, namely Cornell and Todd, when they would share they made themselves, they were transparent. They shared details about their lives that they wouldn't just share any other context. In other words, they were willing to be vulnerable. They opened their hearts up and said, okay, guys, here's, let me tell you something about me that I'll just tell everybody. And they opened themselves up and they were transparent and vulnerable. And you know what was awesome? You know, guys didn't say, laugh at them and say, oh, you sissy or whatever, oh, that's lame or whatever. Guys drew closer. They, drew, they responded to that transparency and that vulnerability. And then the cool thing was when Cornell had other men share their stories or, or things on their heart, their testimony, they would share at such a high level of transparency. It shocked me. It amazed me. I was like, I can't believe this. Because I'd never seen that operate before in a group of men. Because typically what would happen, I remember one time I started a group for the, I, I started from scratch. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to try to start a small men's group. And the purpose is relationship. That's what I wanted to do because I didn't know how to do this thing. Still don't. I started a group, about five, six men. And this was besides, I had a, we had a Bible study. We had that 630 Bible study. Remember that? This isn't that. This was besides that. So that was a Bible study group. That was good. But I wanted to do something different just to to try this relationship thing. Invited some guys. And all we did is we came together. 
And all we did was flex our spiritual muscles. That's all we did. It was like what 1 Corinthians 5, 8 says. You know, we're sitting there showing how strong we are and everything. It's like, what? There was no vulnerability, no transparency, none of that. And I realized that we didn't know how. We didn't know how. And the cool thing about the NFL with when Cornell, myself, and Todd were leading that, we didn't know how to do relate. We didn't have this game plan. Okay, guys, we need to build relationships with men and all this kind of thing. Here's how we do it. We had no clue. We just started taking steps forward. And guys started sharing. And guys started opening their hearts. And I remember uh, when the guys started sharing their testimonies and everything, they would open their heart and expose their, their soul. And the men would rally around them, and the relationships just got tighter and tighter. And it was like, I can't believe this. And I believe as a result of that, men are learning and they're being intentional in pursuing relationships. And as they do that, they're becoming stronger and stronger. And the other thing is accountability. We all need to realize that we all need to be accountable to somebody, every single one of us. If I have the attitude that it's just me and Jesus, he holds me accountable, just me and Jesus, then I've, I've missed it. And I'm in a dangerous place. Amen? So first question, are you committed to allowing him to form Christ in you his way? Number two, are you willing to pursue these types of relationships? Relationships that require transparency, vulnerability, and accountability. And number three, last question in closing. When are you going to start? When are you going to start? We can talk about it, agree with it, and say yes, relationship, amen, preach it, brother. And you know, I'll do that. I'm open to allowing God to do that in my life. But there has to come a starting place. There has to come a point when I say, okay, I'm ready to take that step. And we begin to do that. Let's all stand together. Can you just close your eyes with me? Nothing special about closing your eyes other than you can maybe block out any distractions and just focus on what the Lord would want to say. Are you willing to allow the Lord to do in you what he wants his way? Are you willing to pursue these kind of relationships or relationships? And when will you start? The first question needs to be answered. Are you committed? Are you committed? Because if you're committed, if you commit yourself to him and say, yes, Lord, then the rest will begin to happen. Once you're committed, then he challenges you with being intentional. And then you begin to take the steps that's needed, that's required. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you 
to give us grace to overcome fear, to overcome selfishness that would keep us from moving forward in relationship. That will enable us to overcome the hurt and the pain that we've experienced because we opened ourselves up to relationships in the past and we got burned. Thank you for the grace and the ability to forgive, Father. Thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing in this body. We love you and we thank you. We honor you. And thank you, Lord, for the gift tonight of the ministry from Charlie Fink of forgiveness. That'll be a huge, a huge plus for relationship. Thank you, Father. We do submit to you. We love you. And we submit to you because we can trust you ultimately. People may let us down, but you don't. In Jesus' name, amen.